your Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alrighty now, what is up New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for the Hockey Riders, Trey Matthews. And it is day three of me being away and I have brought in another Hockey Riders associate and his name is Dan Rice. So Dan Rice has been covering the New Jersey Devils for a long time uh, back to their uh, championship run uh, against the Mighty Ducks. And he is also uh, known for covering the NWHL, which is the Women's Professional League. So uh, he has a lot to share. So I hope you guys are going to enjoy this open discussion I'm going to have with him in a moment. But first, let's get these live reads out the way. So the first live read comes from Built Bar. So did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their face. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. They have coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange cookies, and cream, German chocolate. You know what my favorite flavor is? Well, I'm in Florida right now, so uh, I guess I love coconut for the time being. So now our Built Bars, the best tasting protein bars ever but they're super healthy as well. Check out these statistics. There's 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So order today and get that grasshopper cookie or raspberry, whatever you like. So Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that cool? So the offer is go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. So again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And the second live read, this morning comes from Bet Online. So, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing. You track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as MLB teams are prepping for their runs to the playoffs come uh, the uh, second half of the season. So, head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKED on. So Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts and remember to check out our friends at Locked On Bet. So before we bring in Dan Rice, let's just go over some key points. So once again, guys, I can't reiterate this enough when I'm bringing in uh, these guests this week. This was recorded before the expansion draft and before the NHL entry uh, draft and also free agency hasn't begun yet. So I'm just putting those points out there. And like I said, Dan Rice, we're going to talk about his career. We're going to talk about his association with the New Jersey Devils. And also, why not mix it up? Let's uh, talk about his other venture with the uh, Professional Women's Hockey League. So the NWHL, as he's going to provide some insight for some key players, teams to look out for. And overall, I think it's going to be a great discussion. It's going to be very interesting. So without further ado, let's bring in Dan Rice from the Hockey Riders. All right, it's time for a reflection of the New Jersey Devils season. And today I have brought in one of my colleagues from the Hockey Riders, Dan Rice. Dan, first and foremost, how are you doing on this fine afternoon? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm excited for, uh, you know, hockey season just ended, the NHL, but uh, we have the expansion draft and the regular draft and free agency to look forward to and uh, a really short summer. And before we know it, we'll be, you know, talking about exhibition games and, uh, and the season getting started again. 
you know, for a team that had to deal with a lot of injuries, that short offseason and just going back into it kind of concerns me for the New Jersey Devils, but especially for someone like Mackenzie Blackwood, who had to deal with uh, a couple injuries uh, this season. But, you know, uh, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. But uh, going back to you, first and foremost, how long have you been covering the New Jersey Devils? So I just said you work for the hockey writers, but how long specifically have you been uh, like covering uh, Devils hockey? Uh, going, going back to the 2002-2003 season, uh, I started as an intern with Stan Fischler, a uh, legendary hockey name, uh, one of the best in the business. Uh, unfortunately, he's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame yet for some reason, um, but hopefully that gets alleviated uh, before he leaves this earth. Um, uh, yeah, I started as an intern with him, uh, got really lucky, and, and the first season I was uh, kind of shadowing him full-time uh, behind the scenes. He was working with the, the, the network covering the, the Devils, and, um, you know, that season they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, so I, I got kind of a, a backstage pass uh, to see how everything really operates. Uh, you know, one day you're you're sitting at home watching these guys on TV, and the next minute you're you're standing behind Mr. Fischler uh, looking across at Marty Brodeur. Uh, it was a little surreal at first, um, but as the years went on, I, I got a little bit more and more comfortable. Um, after my time with him, I bounced around a little bit, a couple of different websites here and there. Uh, finally latched on with the Hockey Writers uh, back in 2012, right before the, the Devils uh, playoff run that, that uh, spring. Um, and I've been with the Hockey Writers ever since. Yeah, so like I said, uh, working for the Hockey Writers, uh, obviously it's a, one of the most respected, um, I guess, hockey-based um, websites out there. So um, were you ever like starstruck when you first started working for the Devils? Like, you know, you, you talked about how surreal it was just, you know, being that up close and personal. And especially since it, in your first year, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals and um, actually won it uh, over the Anaheim Ducks, if I recall correctly. So, uh, you know, just just how starstruck and uh, just so surreal. Can you just go into more detail in that regards? Sure. Um, everything that first season was was really a blur. Um, in a, a kind of a, a downer note, um, right right as that that playoff run began, uh, my father passed away. Uh, he was a police officer. He, had, he ended up getting cancer. Um, he was one of the, the first responders that went down to 9-11. Uh, I grew up in, in New York City in Staten Island. Uh, so he was like one of the first guys that went down there. and was uh, His job was mainly kind of, uh, you know, evacuating people, relief effort. Uh, they were there, you know, day and night for weeks upon weeks. Um, so it was, it was a little bit of a somber uh, time for me. Uh, getting to experience all this this great, uh, you know, uh, going to hockey games and, and being behind the scenes and helping Stan write books and stuff like that. And I really wasn't able to share it with him. So it's it's a little tough. But uh, to, your, to your original question, um, you know, it, it, that first year, um, just seeing all the different players, whether it was um, uh, a Mark Messier come through New Jersey or, or – um, uh, Edmonton was really, really a, a, a pretty in, intriguing team that that season. They had, uh, I believe, Mike Comrie and Anson Carter and, and Ryan Smith were one of the best lines in the NHL. Um, and I remember seeing those guys up close thinking, like, this is so, so surreal. Like, I can't wait to go home and tell my friends about it. Like, because we would sit on the couch together and watch games or play video games together. 
Um, and, and as the years go on, um, some, in some regards, that, that feeling fades away a little bit because you become so comfortable with the, the environment and the surroundings. Um, but you're still almost always in awe every time you go, um, whether it's sitting in the press room, uh, having a meal before, before a game, um, and Gordy Howe comes in and sits across from you. Um, it, you just kind of, you know, you're, you just kind of want to be like a fly on the wall and you listen to everybody else talk to him and, and just kind of soak it all in. Um, I've, I've sat next to, uh, guys like Kenny Morrow, uh, who won an Olympic gold in 1980 and, and four Stanley cups with the Islanders. Uh, he was a scout for them. I think he still is, but I'm not sure. Um, but uh, seeing him and, and sitting next to him, uh, a couple of times was, was pretty surreal. Um, and then even, you know, the guys that I watched growing up now, um, they're in roles that are either general manager or scouts. Um, so sometimes you get in the elevator to go downstairs after a period, after, after the game ends, um, and you're riding the elevator with Steve Eisenman, general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning at the time, and, and now it's Detroit, obviously. Uh, or you're riding the elevator with, with Joe Sackick, um, you know, it, it, those, those moments to me, like they never get old. Um, I'm still kind of like a little kid when, when I'm, you know, standing that close to them, like, Oh my God, this is Al McInnes or, or Joe Sackick. Like I love these guys. I loved watching them growing up. Um, I I've sat next to Pat Verbeek, um, a couple of times, uh, over the years, he was a scout, uh, for Steve Eisman for a long time. Um, and you know, you just kind of thank him for, for keeping your interest and love for hockey and, and also try and understanding, uh, how he's adjusted to the role outside of the playing career, you know, because the, the, these guys, they love to be a part of a team and, and they love to stay involved. And, uh, once they do stop playing, becoming a scout or a general manager or, uh, director of player development, those kind of things. Um, it kind of keeps them involved in, in the game and, and keeps those bonds uh, around that they've built over the years. Very intriguing backstory. Uh, and that's obviously led you to covering the Devils to this day. So let's uh, just uh, move the clock a little bit to the present right now. So, you know, obviously you uh, experienced their uh, playoff run back in 2012 when uh, they unfortunately lost to the LA Kings and then uh, 2018 when they were gentlemen swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning and now to now where we're kind of in a rebuild stage so you've been through thick thin and thin and thinner with uh, this organization from championship to heartbreak to now rebuilding and overall you know let, I just want to give your opinion in, in terms of like where we're at right now so let's just uh, before the start of this season let's talk about what were your expectations for the New Jersey Devils coming into this year. Uh, coming into the, this past season, or correct. The, correct this past season, you know, I, I didn't have many expectations. I, I think I might have even uh, written that. Um, you know, they, they we knew they were going to go in a young direction, right? Tom Fitz had taken over. He had gotten rid of Coleman and and uh, Andy Green. Um, you know, they brought in Corey Crawford, and and unfortunately, he decided to retire before the season started. So that kind of left them in a little bit of a pickle where we saw um, a little bit of a goalie carousel behind Blackwood and, and um, 
You know, I, I, I personally, I didn't have many expectations to shorten season uh, intra-divisional play, which I don't think they really matched up too well with, with, uh, with some of the teams that are in their division. And I think we saw that over the course of the season. Um, but overall, I think it was, it was a really good season for them. Um, Tom Fitzgerald mentioned it uh, numerous times in uh, his availabilities over the season. Uh, where it was this season was all about, uh, and I, I think the the reference that he kind of likes to use is what you to, to find out what you have underneath the hood of the car, uh, the car being the team in this uh, uh, situation that he's talking about, and you really were able to let these kids play um, big minutes for the, probably the first time in their professional careers. Um, and really see how they can handle the the day in and day out uh, of an NHL schedule, which was made even more difficult this season because um, once the team got the the COVID infection, um, they basically played every other night. I think it was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday for about six or seven weeks straight this year. Um, So it it became uh, uh, really almost like a gauntlet of, of who could survive um, and I think a lot of the players said in, in their final availability at the end of the year that, um, like Blackwood, you know, he was one of the guys that had COVID and it, and it really affected him for a week or, or a couple of weeks after he came back and started playing. Uh, Janssen was another player that mentioned the same thing. Um, he has asthma. So that was a, 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 something that really knocked him on his butt and took him a while to get back to and, and, uh, hit that that stride. Um, Subban was another one that he he caught COVID at the end of the season, and because he's asthmatic, he wasn't able to to really finish out the season. Um, so I, I think it was. They I think they learned a lot about what they have in, in the prospects, the prospect pool, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and I think it was a good learning experience for for a player like, like Ty Smith, a player like Jack Hughes. Um, to really believe that they could play in this league on a night in and night out basis. Um, and and I, I really loved uh, hearing Jack at the end of the season saying like, yeah, you know, this was nice and all great. You know, we got experience, but we want to start winning games now. And, and that's ultimately why, why we're here is to win games and, and to restore this franchise to what it once was. And um, with, a guy like Hughes and a guy like Ty Smith and Nico and Blackwood, you have a, a pretty good solid foundation to, to kind of build around. And um, I, I think Fitz is going to, he's going to do it the way that they did it in Pittsburgh when he was there um, where they had Crosby, Malkin, Latang and, and Flory, and they kind of added players and pieces, whether it was younger players or whether it was players they brought in from outside, like a, a Billy Guerin or Jerome McGinley, a Trevor Daly guys that, that can really uh, veteran guys that could come in and, and really compliment those young players. Uh, so that's, that's the, the Rubik's cube for, for Tom Fitzgerald this off season is, is figure out what those other pieces are that he can put around the, the nice core of players that he has. And, and you hope that some of the younger players step up like uh, a Sharon Govich was, was a great find this year and, and a great, uh, uh, he had a great performance and, and he really gave them some, some things to think about now because um, I'd be shocked if they don't protect him for this uh, upcoming expansion draft and that maybe leaves somebody else exposed that we didn't anticipate at the beginning of the season. 
Yeah. So obviously, you know, it was a pretty disappointing year. I think we got off to a good start, but you know, once we got hit with that two week COVID shutdown, I think that's when it really went downhill. I believe with our 10 game losing streak, when we had to play like the, um, the Rangers and the Penguins uh, during that span, because at one point we had to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like we had to play the the Penguins and then the Rangers. And then uh, like uh, for, for during that 10 game span, it was like, Penguins, then Rangers, then Penguins again, then Rangers again. And then obviously uh, that Flyers game, we just blew sky high, still went to OT, still got the point. But I believe our 10-game losing streak was just at the hands of just, unfortunately, we just couldn't handle the Rangers or uh, the Penguins. Or at least we were able to handle the Rangers like earlier in the year, but we were just like never consistent. And I believe like that four-game sweep against the Rangers. And I believe at one point, I think we gave Shashurskin his – first career uh, shout outs, like back to back. So, you know, yeah. obviously that, that kind of hurts. So, you know, obviously, uh, you know, having to deal with injuries, especially with like Nico Heizer, you mentioned PK Subban uh, had COVID, so he couldn't finish out the year. They decided to shut him out. Uh, Ty Smith uh, was also injured to finish off the year. So it just seems like we were like really never healthy, but you know, there's sometimes a blessing in disguise where we're able to like, you know, see rookies, uh, come in and out and so like this year we had 11 rookies uh dress and skate for the new jersey devils um obviously you mentioned sharon govich and ty smith but you know was there any other rookie uh you know that kind of fell under the radar in terms of fans like maybe uh a nolan foot or a kevin ball or a tice thompson which by the way personally i'm not the biggest fan of tice thompson um you know i i didn't really agree with uh him getting his nhl shot so quickly especially since we waived Nikita Gusev as a result of it. But was there a rookie that just fell under the radar for most fans that you were impressed with? Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed watching all the guys that you mentioned. And I, I would only add maybe uh, Yanni Kokonen. Um That was a guy I didn't really know much about coming from, from Carolina in the, the Sammy Vatnin deal. Um, and apparently it was very important that he was included in that deal uh, in order for it to go forward. And, and um, I, I found myself really impressed with him. Um, I think it kind of started once they put him in, and I think it was Sharon Govich with Travis Ajak. And then once Ajak was traded, um, Jack Hughes moved into that spot or, or they moved up to his, his line, however you want to phrase it. The kid line, um, the kid line. And, and they were, they were very consistent. Um, I really liked the way that Yanni plays. Um, kind of reminded me of a little bit of, uh, another prospect the Devils have, uh, Fabian Zetterland, uh, Finnish, another Finnish kid. And maybe that's why he reminded me of him, but he's somebody that I've watched enough, um, whether it's in AHL games that I've watched or, um, covering Devils summer rookie development camps. Um, he's just a, a big body, a big frame, uh, really soft hands in front of the net. Um, which sometimes you don't always expect with the bigger guys. Um, but he, he's got a good shot, and when he uses it, uh, he, he can be very effective. And obviously we saw, uh, especially towards the end of the season with Jack and Yegor, uh, where he, he can make some passes too, you know. He, he's not just a, a kind of a goal scorer or winger. Um, and so I, I was really impressed with him. Um, I like the fact that they gave guys like Thompson and Ball um, and especially foot uh, a chance to play those handful of games at this pro level um, so they can go into the summer with full knowledge of what they need to do 
to be better at this level. Um, you know, you can tell a player after they're drafted what they need to do, but I think until they experience it firsthand, even if it's just in the AHL, but even more so in the, in the NHL, um, you know, you, you get those games of experience and, and something in your memory that you can go back to and say, okay, when I went into the corner on this play, I needed to be stronger or maybe I need to just be quicker and not get myself in that situation. Um, and those are things that the coaching staff, uh, I'm sure, has uh, worked with them, talked with them about. Um, I'm sure they got video packages of, of what they need to work on. And, and uh, I know the, the, the Devils have a, a, a very good system, or they always have had a, a pretty good system of um, breaking down video for players where they can um, look at it on their iPods or their, uh, excuse me, their iPads or their iPhones. Um, and they can kind of review shift by shift. Um, you know, they get all the, the cool camera angles that we don't necessarily get on the, the national and the local broadcast. But um, I, I think that stuff is very helpful, and, and especially the experience. Um, Thompson, I thought um, his, his body is, is way too slight, uh, I think, to play at the NHL level right now. Uh, but he's a young kid. Uh, he's just finished college. Um, if not for COVID, maybe he stays in college. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how that all would have played out. And, um, you know, I, I think he'll, he's probably going to start the season in, in the AHL and he would be one of those guys that maybe would get a call up for a couple of games if somebody gets hurt or, or, you know, something out of our control happens. Uh, because, you know, as we all kind of figured out over the last 16 months, you kind of have to uh, prepare for the unexpected and, and be willing to, to pivot and figure things out on the fly. Right. And, you know, uh, that's just one of the blessings in disguise of rebuilding and just overall maybe having, you know, guys in and out just uh, were able to give these rookies a shot. Because, you know, like I said, 11 rookies uh, played for the Devils this season. So, you know, obviously some were exciting, some like you said, have a lot to work on, but I'm sure with time, um, you know, they'll get the hang of it. And it kind of leads me into let's go and talk more about the veteran players. Who do you think was the MVP of the team for the Devils? So like if they had a um, Hart Memorial Trophy specifically for the New Jersey Devils, who deserves it? Uh, you know, that's a really tough question. Um, it's, it's hard for me to not to automatically just say Jack Hughes. Um, but I, for this, you know, to be a little different, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll have to go with Miles Wood. I, I was really impressed um, with his, not only his game, but his attitude from the beginning of the season to the end. Um, maybe it was because he was, he was one of the guys that was made frequently available to us uh, uh, post game and uh, post practice morning skates. Um, so we did get to uh, see him a lot, um, but just, I just really liked the way that he played the game this year. And, and that line with, with McLeod and Bastion stuck together for the most part. Um, they were real, real difference makers. They were energy guys. They were guys the energy that, line, the energy line as the devils call them. They, they were guys that Lindy would Co- coach Ruff would start every game. I think, you know, I want to say the last 30 games or so they, they started every game to kind of set the tone. And even in, throughout a game, um, if, you know, things weren't going so well. He might throw that line out there and they might kind of kickstart everything and, and jumpstart the, the bench, uh, whether it's, um, you know, creating a two-on-one two, two rush up the ice 
or, you know, getting in hard on the forecheck and, and really hammering the opposing defenders. Um, so I, I would have to say Miles Woody, he obviously had a great, um, a great season, uh, point production, goal production. Um, but I, I really just liked everything that he brought to the, to the table. And especially after, um, you know, Travis and, and Kyle were traded away. Um, he kind of became by default, the, like the oldest veteran forward on the team, which is crazy to think about because I remember covering him, um, you know, when, when he first came into the NHL, he signed his contract. Uh, Boston College had gotten eliminated at the Frozen Four, and the next day he was in New Jersey to play uh, the regular season finale uh, against Toronto. And that was the same game Pavel Zaka played, uh, made his NHL debut, uh, also Patrick Eliash's last game. Um, but to see the, the growth and evolution of him um, from, that, from that day as a kid who, you know, uh, came right from, from, I think the Frozen Four that year was in Florida, came right from Florida, played a game, um, and to see him at the end of the season um, as an alternate captain, wearing the A on the sweater, um, taking more of a vocal uh, leadership role, um, which, which he kind of had to do because <laughs> there's, there's nobody else, you know, that's been through NHL seasons on the roster um, aside from a PK Subban who wasn't really around at the end of the season, unfortunately, due to COVID. Um, and that's not to say that, that guys like Nico Heeshear and Jack Hughes uh, can't have a voice in the locker room too. Um, you know, your best players are going to be your best players no matter how old or young they are. Um, but, you know, I, I think having a, a presence like Woody was, was really, uh, really uh, beneficial for, for those guys and, and uh, he, I think he played and maybe he missed one game. So he, he's definitely my, my – would be my vote for MVP this season. You are the second Devils uh, news personality to tell me that, saying that you would give the MVP to like Miles Wood or Miles Wood surprise you the most. And I would have to agree with you on that because I think it, overall just – Miles Wood, just his energy, just his consistency. The fact that he was tied with Pavel Zaka for most goals on the team, I think was also a surprise. He was also an alternate captain. He uh, revealed, I, I think you tweeted this in his exit interview, saying that he was talking to like old captains like uh, Andy Green, uh, Kyle Palmieri. He was like, you know, keeping in touch with them or learning from them in terms of how to be a leader and just be a, a captain, which is why I anticipate and maybe you can confirm or deny this, but um, I, I obviously my prediction for the captains uh, next season are going to be Nico Heizer, obviously being the head captain. Miles Wood will uh, retain his alternate captain role. And this might be the most surprising one, but I say that due to what he was able to do this season, the players he was able to mentor, you also mentioned that uh, in his respective uh, exit interview saying he was helping out Sharon Govich, he was helping out Quokinen, Smith, all these uh, players, I think, and, and, you know, just the overall relationship he has with Lindy and the front office, I say it's going to be Jack Hughes who's going to get the other alternate captain role. Do you think, um, obviously, you know, you have more of a, you have more of a way of like knowing what goes on behind the scenes versus what I do. Is there any truth to that? Cause obviously this is just my prediction uh, from a fan standpoint. I, I could see that scenario play out. I, I think it depends if Subban is back on the team, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure if they're going to leave him unprotected uh, for this upcoming expansion well, draft. The, the, the problem is, the problem is like at the time of this recording, the expansion draft still has not occurred, but um, 
if if the Devils do leave Subban unprotected and they have no deals in line, like they didn't make any trades, they didn't sign anyone, they have no deals like in the works, then they're going to be $25 million away from the cap floor. So if, if no deals are in line before the expansion draft for the New Jersey Devils, they would have no choice but to protect P.K. Subban. Right. And, and I think there's still, we obviously still have a, a, things can change quickly as, as we all know in the NHL. Um, it's kind of like an hour by hour thing now uh, as we get um, inch closer and closer to the expansion draft. Um, but if Subban is back and I kind of assume that he will be, I, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if Seattle took him because they, they, I could see them wanting to take him and have kind of a face of the franchise um, and I could see the Devils going out and spending money on other veteran defensemen. Uh, Ryan Suter just became available. Um, there's a few other guys I think that that would be worthy of, of their interest. Um, but even if Subban isn't is is back and they decide to not give him a letter, um, that doesn't change anything. I think in talking to uh, whether it was Ty Smith or Riley Walsh or uh, Michael Vukajate. Vukjevich, I, I can never say his name right, um, and a lot of and Kevin Ball was another one. Um, the young defensemen, they all really look up to PK um, because they're they're kids. So their kind of first memory of PK is is the guy that that won the Norris Trophy in in uh, Montreal and the guy that was on the cover of EA Sports when he was in Nashville. Um, so while his his, maybe his on-ice skills aren't what they were back then. He's still a presence, um, and he knows how to be a professional. He knows how to train like a professional. And these guys, they gravitate towards that, and, and they really, uh, they're, they're really uh, uh, happy to be around him. I, I think they would welcome that. Um, whether it's in the best interest of New Jersey to bring him back, that remains to be seen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I could see – you know, you, you you probably want to give Jack that A, um, maybe as a as a way to kind of keep him happy, um, because you don't want him to to start to get unhappy, and then uh, once he's eligible eligible, and I think three more years to become an unrestricted free agent, you know, you, you want to do everything you can to keep Jack here for his career, right? You want to do everything to make him feel like this is a part of uh, he's a part of this, uh, he has a say in this. Um, let Nico be the captain. Nico is the, the, the quieter, you know, more reserved, uh, lead by example kind of guy. And this way there's a little bit less pressure, pressure on Jack and he could just be himself and his game can naturally grow and evolve. And he's not doing it while thinking, crap, I'm the, I'm the, the captain of this team. I'm the face of the franchise. I have to really, you know, bear down and, and score five goals this five goals this week or, or whatever scenario arises. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see Wood, Wood Hughes, Nico, that, that's a good leadership uh, quartet and, uh, uh, excuse me, trio. Um, Subban would, would likely be there and, and some other veterans. I expect them to bring in um, at least one or two veterans this offseason. So, yeah, basically you, uh, you kind of led into my next question because you talked about Suter, you talked about Subban. Um, <laughs> right but well obviously obviously you you just mentioned them you just mentioned them but like um uh, is there any like uh 
anything going beh- on behind the scenes that you can share with us? Like, you know, or or is it really like on the down low kind of thing? Everything is, is uh, really under wraps right now. I really haven't heard anything uh, specifically regarding the Devils. Um, if, if I was them, if, if you made me a GM for the day, um, I would really – I know Gabriel Landeskog is, is a name that's um, the captain of the Avalanche currently. Uh, he's scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent. Um, I haven't heard what's going to go on either way with that. Um, but if, if he became available, that would be, you know, my first call. Um, as, as far as other players, um, if I had, you know, again, if I'm GM for the day, I'm calling the St. Louis Blues uh, – what, what can we do to make a deal for a player like Jaden Schwartz? Um, I look at him as, as somebody that would be a, a perfect complement, a perfect winger for either Nico or Jack on that first or second line. Um, a guy that we know can score goals. We know he can score big goals. We've seen that with the St. Louis Blues. He, he won the cup. Um, and another name would be, and I, I know this one will probably uh, raise a lot of eyebrows if anybody's going to uh, – when, when people are watching this, uh, a player like Evander Kane, um, I know he, he comes with a, a big price. See, I saw your eyebrow go up. Uh, I know he comes with a little it's bit of a big price bad, tag. But it's like we've, we've had a history of bad contracts. So it's just like. I know, I know. It's, it's not the worst contract. It's not the best contract. Um, but I think he's a, he's a, a dynamic goal scorer. Um, I think you put him again. You put him on Jack Hughes' wing. Um, you know, a, a Kane, Kane Hughes and, and uh, Sharon Govich line. Um, I, I think that could, could create some havoc in, in the offensive zone. Um, if you had Landis Gog, Nico, and, and maybe Brad on another line, I, I think that would be um, intriguing. Um, but again, these are guys that are, you know, under contract. So um, you have to give up something to get something right. And uh, you have to find something that the other team is interested in. Um, aside from uh, Hughes, Heesher, Ty Smith, probably Blackwood, um, maybe Nolan Foot. There's not many other guys that I wouldn't uh, sacrifice to make a deal to bring in a, a legitimate scoring winger or a top pair defenseman. Um, top pair defensemen don't, don't grow on trees. Um, you know, there, there's, I have heard, uh, you know, some whisper that the devils might be interested in bringing Adam Marson back, uh, if he makes it to free agency, um, and Edmonton trading for Duncan Keith kind of leads me to believe that they, they might let him test the waters. Um, at this stage in his career, I don't think it would be the, the worst idea to, to bring in a, a defenseman that can play, uh, 20, 25 minutes a year, uh, a game, excuse me, um, can play penalty kill, power play if, if you need him. Um, and he can complement the other guys that they have on the roster. So uh, that's, that's uh, kind of what I've been looking at or, or what I'm looking forward to. But, um, you know, as I kind of said, these things kind of change day by day. And at this, this stage in the summer, hour by hour, uh, as, as we all kind of refresh our Twitter feeds to figure out what's going on. I also hear Taylor Hall is going to be a free agent. So, you know, why not? I think that ship has sailed. Um, it would depend on what, what the, the price was. Um, 
he can't demand for much. Like his, his, like he's not the hard Memorial trophy he once was like three years ago. Like he's, he couldn't dominate on a, on a lowly Sabres team. And he did pretty decent for the Bruins, which is why they, you know, uh, were able to go on that, on that nice run to get away from the Rangers in terms of seeding. But, you know, it's just like, I don't think he would demand for much, but I'd be open to it quite honestly. Why not? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I think he ended up just re-signing in Boston. Uh, he seemed like he was he was pretty content and felt like that was a good fit. And and I couldn't blame him. I mean, um, you get to play on a team with, with Bergeron and Pasternak and Krejci, and and uh, you have a, a great number one goalie and, and Tuukka Rask. Um, you know, the Boston's Boston's always going to kind of be in the mix. Um, and thankfully for, for Devils fans, that mix will be in a different division next season as we go back to uh, what the divisions used to be. Uh, so they only have to worry about playing them four times um, as opposed to eight. Uh, but actually, as I say that, I'm thinking back, the Devils did really well against Boston this year. Yeah, um, but with Kyle Palmieri, was... though. Kyle Palmieri, right. like, uh, there were a couple games where the Devils won one to nothing in shutouts. I believe Wedgwood had one and Blackwood had the other. One to nothing, and in both games, the person who scored the lone goal was Kyle Palmieri. Right, and as it turned out, he turned out to to be um, one of the differences in the Islanders series against Boston. Uh, I think Kyle Palmieri outperformed Taylor Hall in that series, and um, that's why the Islanders moved on and Boston didn't. Didn't hurt our – well, that kind of hurt our draft pick a little bit, but, you know, uh, I can't reminisce on that. And who knows what might happen. But um, now I want to shift from NHL and I want to cover this a little bit before, uh, you know, we get final thoughts. So you cover the NWHL as well. And obviously I've had Soroya Tinker appear on my show about a couple months ago talking about just like um, her career, the uh, NWHL in general and overall what we can expect. So, you know, just covering uh, that kind of league, like, um, what can we expect or, you know, if someone is a little hesitant to watch, um, you know, the NWHL, uh, what would you say to them just to get them excited and just say, Hey, this uh, league is actually legit. It's not just like, you know, just, just for show. I would say I've, I've been asked this question a bunch of times. Um, and I always give the same answer. Um, I did an interview. Uh, I think it was the second season with a player on the Riveters, Janine Weber. Um, she's currently, well, last season she played with Connecticut. She's played with Boston as well. Uh, great Austrian player. Um, and we, I forget the context of what we were talking about. It was probably a, a similar question. And, and uh, she said, you know, it, I would just tell people, if, if you like hockey, uh, just give us a shot. That, that's all they ask is that you give them a shot. If you like hockey, there's no reason why you wouldn't be entertained by uh, the games that they play. Um, I would say it's it's different in person. Um, there's, there's more of that. If you've gone to uh, college games or minor league games, there's more of that kind of feel around it. I mean, I but do play-by-play for a women's uh, hockey team mostly. So, you know, I, right. I, I get what you're saying. So, so you know that the the what that atmosphere is like, and and um, the the access uh, for fans is second to none. Um, I, I love going to games, and oftentimes, um, especially here in New Jersey, when with the Riveters games, 
Um, I, I might do my interviews and then I'll go sit in the lobby and, and uh, I might tweet out a bunch of things. If I'm doing a game recap, I might start that up. Um, and I'll sit there in the lobby and, and what they do is um, every player or just about every player will sit in the lobby, sign autographs, take pictures for fans. Um, they'll literally sign anything. You want them to shine your, sh- or excuse me, if you want them to sign your shoe, you want them to sign the back of your phone case. Um, I've seen little girls and little boys get autographs on their arms. Um, hopefully they didn't get them tattooed, you know, permanently tattooed at that young age. But My dad would kill uh, me if I did that. <laughs> just just seeing the, the looks of, of the, the little girls and, and boys um, when they get to meet these players is it's, it's such a treat to see and, and to witness. Um, they, they really go above and beyond sometimes staying um, 30, 45 minutes, an hour after the game ends um, to, to meet with everybody and, and talk with them um, and build relationships. And, and I've, I've covered it since its inception. And um, you see a lot of the same people coming back um, to get autographs, to, say thank you for being a role model for me. Um, it, it was a little different the, the last, because this, this past season was in Lake Placid, so nobody really got to be there. Um, and the last season that we had where everybody was in person, the Riveters played at a different rink. Uh, but the years that they played in Newark at the Devil's Practice Facility, um, they would walk from the locker room to the rink, and they would ha- kind of have to walk um, – basically around the rink, uh, around the outskirt of where the glass is. And that's where fans line up. So you would see them come out of the locker room, the music starts playing, and there's all these fans, young, old, boy, girl, uh, with their hands out to, to high-five the players as they walk by. And every player that high-fived them, you see, you kind of see the, especially the younger kids and, and uh, fans, they turn around to their mom or to their dad or whoever they're with and say, oh, my God, so-and-so just hand-bumped me or, or so-and-so just fist-bumped me. Like, they think it's the coolest thing. Um, you know, what, I, I've seen girls give them pucks uh, after warm-ups when they're walking off the ice to go back to the locker room. And, you know, little girls just, like, explode when they get a puck in their hand. And, like, they're just, like, overcome with emotion. Um, so that aspect of it, if that doesn't get you into it enough or, or make you want to go check it out enough, uh, the hockey is damn good hockey. Um, a, a lot of these players have trained um, their whole lives um, and they've done it while, you know, not getting everything kind of handed to them as uh, male hockey players have. Um, a, a lot of the, the, the players, they train with NHL players in the off season, whether it's in Connecticut because they're players that they grew up with or um, up in Boston or wherever have you. Um, you know, these players are legitimate primetime athletes. And um, I, I just say, just just give them a chance. And if you're not impressed, then, then so be it. But uh, I, I, I'd be willing to bet that most most people that had never seen them, never knew about them, that, that's a big thing, too. A lot of people don't know they exist. When they find out they exist, oh, I didn't know there was a professional women's hockey league. Um, that's so cool. And then they start to pay attention and they're like, wow, I can't believe I didn't follow this. Uh, from the beginning so um, yeah I would just say just just give it a chance um, their games are all free online um, in this day and age not a lot is free right so to be able to to go on to twitch and and watch the games 
Uh, Twitch has been a great, a great platform for them uh, over the past two years. Um, and uh, it's a pretty welcoming and, and uh, inclusive community um, that, that has uh, really uh, embraced everybody. And, and um, as I told, I, I just finished an, inter- an interview with uh, one of the Boston Pride players um, uh, on Monday. And, and I was posting, you know, teasing teasing little excerpts from, from, from the, our talk on Twitter. And uh, her mom actually replied and was so thankful f- for me for telling her story and, and these little details. And um, I think I replied to her, you know, I, I couldn't envision doing anything else at this point in my life. Um, and I really do feel that way. If I could make a living just covering that league, I would do it. Uh, it's obviously not at that point yet. Um, and I still do enjoy covering the Devils. Don't get me wrong. I love covering the NHL. Um, but if I if I had to choose and, and I would be able to make a career out of it, I would I would choose the women's game, you know, probably nine out of ten times. Wow, that's actually really interesting. And, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from because, like I said, uh, at the college I go to, I do play-by-play for mostly the women's hockey uh, squad. Like, uh, we have seven hockey teams at my college. So, I totally get, um, you know, uh, where you're coming from. And uh, I don't know if you know them or not, but um, uh, so I believe she plays for Connecticut, the team you mentioned, uh, Nicole Galliardo. Uh, she, uh, she, she's from Adrian College. Um, she, so I remember announcing mm-hmm. for her, Kelly O'Sullivan, I don't think if she played for the Buffalo Buttes or not, but um, she um, she was also drafted from Adrian College. And I believe there was uh, someone who, who uh, plays for the – I think she played for the Riveters or the Buttes currently, but uh, her name is Kristen. She was before she, she, she graduated before I came to Adrian college. Yeah. So I, I, I never got the chance to see her play up close, but she's a legend um, at, at Adrian college. Cause she's the all-time leader in points, goals, assists, all three scoring categories. So I totally get where you're coming from in that regards. She just retired actually today. Um, that's her nickname is wheels. Um, she did play, she played one season with the Riveters, um, three seasons, parts of three seasons with the Buttes. Um, great, great kid. Um, I wish her all the best. She, she got a, um, a job opportunity in Arizona that she couldn't turn down and, uh, she had to walk away. Um, but she was, a, she was a fantastic player, was an all-star her first year in the league. Um, I, I, I want to say she won the fastest skater. That, that season at the, at the All-Star Weekend. Um, and, and that, you know, that, that tells you why, one of the reasons why her nickname is Wheels. Uh, but, yeah, she was, she was a phenomenal player, and Adrian has, has been a, uh, a nice little pipe, pipeline for, uh, for the NWHL. Uh, there were, I think there were a few other players from that team. Um, I'm forgetting their name. I want to say maybe Soroka and Sherub. Uh, they all came in together with, with Lewicki and then Guagliardo. Um, I actually saw her in Buffalo um, the beginning of June. She was at a free agent camp up there. Um, so she's she's kind of has some decisions to make right now as to uh, does she want to sign with Buffalo? Does she want to go back to Connecticut? I, I'm not sure if there's an offer there, um, but I know the Riveters have made her an offer and as well as uh, Buffalo. So, um, she has some decisions to make as to what she wants to do this upcoming season. Yeah, so I, I tell you where you're. I know where you're coming from from uh, that league and overall. Like I told you, I had Soroya Tinker on my show. I'm trying to get uh, uh, Kristen on my show because uh, you know we're both Adrian College Bulldogs. So you know 
to uh trying to reach out to her but obviously just got to wait on that because i know a lot of is moving i i know a lot is um mo- moving in, in her life and you know got to respect that but um any final thoughts dan because i think we've covered pretty much everything from devils to the nwhl whatever the case might be um you know i hope i hope devils fans are are patient um as in i'm 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 a lot older than i know you know the the majority of the devils fan bases right now i think um and so i i've experienced the winning i've i've seen um you know Stanley Cups and, you know, obviously Marty Brodeur, all, all that goes with that. Um, I, I always try and say, I, you know, I understand um, it's frustrating when they're not winning year after year after year. And uh, I, I think fans have kind of gotten a little bit of a raw deal um, once Lamarillo left um, and Shero came in and now we've kind of transitioned away from Shero and Fitz has taken over. Um you know, that, that's, there really was three rebuilds and this is, the, this is the third one where you can call it rebuild, reboot, uh, restructuring, uh, however you want to put it. Like, but they, they really had to um, turn the team completely around and, and, <clears throat> and really, really change up uh, who they are, what their identity is. Um, and I think this is a really big summer. Um, you know, we, we've seen, as we kind of touched on earlier in the show, we've seen what the young kids can do this past season, right? We know, we kind of know what we have now. Uh, we know this guy can play here and that guy maybe can't play here. Uh, maybe this guy is ticketed for more season in the AHL. Maybe this guy's not going to be a pro player. Um, now Fitz has the cap space. He has the prospects, uh, theoretically, and the draft picks where he can go out and add some um, scoring wingers, top six wingers, top pair defensemen, top four defensemen, even somebody that can eat minutes. Um, so it's not all, all the pressure won't fall on a, a Smith and a Severson and, and a Siegenthaler. Um, you know, I, I think there's some guys that they should move on from some guys that maybe they should look to trade and, and move out. Uh, because maybe their value won't be higher than it is right now. Um, but I, I think I think the team that we'll see this upcoming season is going to be a little bit different than the one we've seen um, the past two, three seasons. I think they'll be a little bit more competitive. I'm not ready to say they're going to be a playoff team until I can see who they draft, who they sign, who they trade for. Um, but I, I think they are definitely on the upswing. Um, and uh, – you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of it kind of rides on the development of Blackwood and if they can find another goalie to kind of compliment him because um, I don't think he's going to turn out to be like a Balasilevsky uh, uh, with Tampa. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to play the lion's share of the games. I think he's he's more suited to maybe do like a 60-40 kind of split with a partner. Um, so if they could bring in a nice veteran to, to stabilize him and, and uh, give him some rest – um, and I'm curious to see what Lindy Ruff does with, uh, a, you know, a, a really normal or as normal as can be off season, uh, a normal as can be training camp um, with exhibition games, with not playing every other two days where they can actually have practice time. I think they might have practiced 
six, seven times, like a, a full practice during the season. And the rest of them became like optionals or just, you know, anybody that wants to show up, show up on the ice. But, you know, everybody did a lot of video work and there, there wasn't a lot of on the ice kind of work because it was more about resting their bodies because there was another game coming in 24 hours or, or two games in 48 hours, you know? So uh, I, I'd say to Devils fans, just be a little bit more patient. Um, this is, this is Fitz's team now. He's, he's kind of really gotten rid of all the ties to um, Chero and, and even further Lou Lamarillo as, as we got rid of Zajac and, um, and uh, Andy Green over the past two seasons. Yeah, and I agree with you. We just got to trust the process, I guess. And just overall, I think we're heading in the right direction in terms of our rebuild. We have some nice diamonds in the rough. And obviously, you know, um, we, we do need to find a quality uh, goaltender to help out Mackenzie Blackwood because he is still relatively young. But I think Mackenzie Blackwood has a bright future. And quite honestly, if uh, he sh- uh, does get lucky and overall keeps his production up in terms of his work ethic and what he overall can do, I think he could put his name in the Vesna trophy, uh, you know, um, at, at some point. I didn't say he would win it, just put his name out there, you know, you know, kind of thing. So anyway, I would like to thank my uh, colleague Dan Rice from the Hockey Writers for joining me on the show, having an open discussion about the New Jersey Devils, uh, the NWHL. Uh, where can they find you, Dan? Uh, you can find all my work at the Hockey Writers uh, underneath the Devils tab and the, uh, I think it's the Women's Hockey tab. And you can find me on Twitter, uh, my first two initials, DR, Diablo, which some people don't know is uh, Spanish for devil, and uh, THW. So DR, Diablo, THW. I'm not really a doctor. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Dan, for doing this. And I'm sure my listeners are now well-informed about devils and WHL all over the board that we talked about. So thanks again. Anytime. Thanks. So once again, thanks to Dan Rice, one of my colleagues at the Hockey Writers, for coming on and talking about the New Jersey Devils and also the Women's Professional League of the NWHL. It was uh, very compelling to hear. And also, uh, while you're checking out the New Jersey Devils, make sure you check out the NWHL. I had an NWHL player, Soroya Tinker, appear on this show a few months ago for my 200th episode, Spectacular. So uh, everything I said is true. Everything he said is true. So, you know, give the NWHL some love and also give our AHL program uh, the Utica comments some love at the same time as well. So, uh, yeah, that's about the time I have for you guys today. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your patience. Continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day, New Jersey. I miss uh, actually reporting some silly season or, you know, breaking news for you guys. But like I said, just got to be patient because good things come to those who wait. So I will catch you guys in the next episode with another Devil's Personality. So thanks for listening.